How's it going? Um, let's jump together into Psalm 23. Psalm 23. Once you get there, let's stand together. Um, next uh, next Sunday, we'll start a series that'll last about three weeks, I think, um, that we'll title, It's More Than Me. Um, and the idea behind that is that prayer is more than me. And it's not just me in a room kind of talking into the air. Um, Father, Son, and Spirit are all involved in prayer. So what I want to do for three weeks is ask, what are Father, Son, and Spirit doing during prayer, and how does that affect my approach to prayer? That's next week. This week what I want to do is I want to uh, take some time today and and call out to God together for some specific things. Um, I feel as if for the past few weeks, God has been pushing us to do this together. And he's also pushed me towards Psalm 23 to give shape to what I want to go um, to him and ask him to give us. So Psalm 23, once you're there, let's stand. Uh, it'll also be on the screen if you don't have it in your hands. Um, that rhymed. Uh, Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures, and he leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'll fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, and my cup runs over. Surely, goodness and mercy... Do your thing then. Um, I don't know if you've noticed or not, but uh, not a lot changed between uh, fr- Thursday evening and Friday morning, did it? Um, my wife and I recently, we watched a documentary. Uh, it was a spoof documentary, and it was a bunch of comedians basically t- uh, doing a year-end review of 2020 and all the stuff that had happened. Um, and I had two big thoughts while watching that documentary. One thought I had is, I forgot that was this year. Um, with some of those things. Uh, the second thing, thought that, uh, that I had was that thing y'all are talking about that popped up in 2020, it followed us in 21. Um, um, in March, a virus kind of walked into the country and threw everything into chaos. And it became a hot button issue. And here we are in January and that virus turned into a vaccine that's also become a hot button issue. Um, at, in about May and June and July, racial tension started to heat up a little bit more. And I don't want to sound bleak, but I've got to be realistic and sad in saying that uh, a person of color will probably die again this year and heat things up. Um, some of you have, uh, you thought that after November 3rd that you'd get a break from the political and presidential circus that we have, but here we are and it looks like it'll probably last beyond January 20th. Now, I don't want to talk about opinions. I want to talk about your soul today, um, because one thing I've noticed by watching and talking with you is that over the course of the last year, those things that kept piling on have made us tired. And we we collectively as a culture thought that relief would come with 2021 newsflash. The year is not going to give you relief. Uh, here's the good news. God wants to give you that relief. And that relief is called restoration. So today I felt as if God said, Jerron, for this first Sunday of the year, before you go on to anything else, I want you to take a moment and receive restoration. 
So that's what we're going to talk about today. Father, restore us. Amen. Uh, you can, you can, you can be seated. So this psalm that we just read, David, he, he decided to sit down one day and, and write a song that described his relationship with God. So, so he sat down and he looks, he looks back through his mental history books to, to remember all that God had done for him. And then he opens up his mental dictionary to look for words to describe who God has been with to him. And the words he came out with are, the Lord is my shepherd. Uh, David, what do you know about being a shepherd? Jerron, I know a whole lot about being a shepherd. It was my first job. Uh, I completely cared for my sheep when I was a shepherd. My sheep needed food, and, and I made sure to be the one to give them food. My, my sheep needed to, to move from this place to that place, so I made sure to be the one to nudge them and move them and sit them down. My, my sheep needed protection, so I myself wrestled lions and tigers and bears. My, my sheep had wounds that needed to be healed, so I personally wrapped them up. I completely cared for my sheep. And David says, I remember that shepherd is the word that describes my relationship to the sheep that I care for. And in an even greater sense, that's who God has been to me. God has been my shepherd. God has completely cared for me. This ain't just unique to David. In Ezekiel 34, speaking of all of his people, God says, I myself will shepherd my people. I myself will completely care for my people. I'll make it my responsibility to make sure that my people have all that they need. God, God has a shepherd's heart. He's not just concerned with pushing you on through to heaven. He's trying to take care of you down here on earth. Uh, Ch- Charles Purgeon says that God cares for our spiritual and our temporal needs, the, the, the spiritual and the material, from the, from the majors of healing and salvation and a job to put food on the table to the minors of I need encouragement for the day and I need a nap, Lord. God, God completely cares for his sheep. Uh, uh, you look throughout the scripture and, and there is a conversation in the canon that, that gives us a clearer picture of this shepherd. John says that that God who David said was his shepherd, he became flesh, dwelt among men. His mama named him Jesus. And he even stood up one day and said, I'm the good shepherd. Uh, Isaiah says we all like sheep went astray and we we went our own way and we all sinned. But this shepherd was slaughtered by a lamb silently and on him our iniquity was laid. Zechariah says the shepherd that held the staff and that held a rod, he was he was struck with the sword. And John says, Zechariah, I know you saw him die, but I saw him looking like a lamb who was slain, who's who's now sitting on the throne, receiving the praises of the eternal choir. It says worthy is the lamb. As song says, my shepherd is the is the lamb. My shepherd is the living Lord who had died. My shepherd is Jesus. Jesus completely cares for you, Christian. David says, because he completely cares for me, I shall not want. A better translation is, I lack nothing. Here's the obvious conflict in this. It's hard to say I shall not want when there's stuff I still want. I want a little bit more money. Help me pay off these loans, Jesus. I would like a better job. I would like to live somewhere better. I, I would like this. I would. There's stuff we will. It's kind of hard for me to say I shall not want when there's stuff I still want. Uh, uh, Psalm 34 says the righteous God's people will lack. Here it is. No good thing. You might want some things, but you will never lack good things. 
Uh, who, who defines these good things? John Piper says, when, when God is your shepherd, he determines what's good, and he makes sure you always have what's good. So God being your shepherd says, I know what's good for you, and I'm always giving it to you. Oh, seventh grade, seventh grade, um, I had this Xbox. And uh, that Xbox ended up fixing a lot. It was used. I bought it refurbished. It broke all the time. And I was taught to care for my gaming consoles by my aunts who had Nintendos. So, so when my Xbox broke, you know what I gave my Xbox? I gave my Xbox what their Nintendo 64 needed. I opened that thing up and just... No one else uses this microphone, so don't worry. Um, so, and it didn't work. Uh, so I called Microsoft and I told them, and they said, just send it to us. Microsoft had it for about a week, a week and a half. And they, and they, they, they quickly and accurately and perfectly uh, discerned what it needed. They, they gave the Xbox what it needed and sent it back to me in perfect condition. Microsoft created that Xbox. No one knew that Xbox like Microsoft knew that Xbox. No one knew the potential problems of that Xbox like Microsoft knew. No one knew the solutions like Microsoft knew it. Microsoft being the creator of that Xbox was was completely qualified to care for the Xbox. Uh, you look in your Bibles where David says, the Lord is my shepherd. That's an all caps Lord. That's the same all caps Lord who was in Genesis 2 who who pulled Adam up from the dirt and, and breathed breath into his body and pulled Eve out of Adam's side. This is the same all caps Lord in Psalm 139 who formed your inward parts and knitted you together in your mama's womb. The God who created you is perfectly qualified and completely competent to care for you. He knows what you need and he gives it to you. He knows what you need when you think you know what you need, but he really knows what you need and gives it to you. When you don't know what you need, he gives it to you. When you need it, not a moment later and not a moment early, God completely cares for you. This week I was thinking about this and the song that kept popping into my head is all that I've needed, all that I've needed, all that I've needed, his hands have provided, I shall not want. God completely cares for you. Can we have a quick conversation about the crisis that is caring for yourself? Uh, come close. The, the, a lifestyle of self-sufficiency is absolutely futile. It's, it's absolutely inefficient. It's not accomplishing the goal you think it's accomplishing. I, I bet, my friends who are living kind of self-sufficient, that you're kind of tired. Uh, because this life has made you tired. Just as a byproduct of living in a broken world and being sinful beings, there are things that drain us. And now your almost lifeless self is using the little bit of life you have left to care for yourself? Oh, that's a cycle. How's that working for you? You can't care for you. Listen to what God says. He says, I'll be your shepherd and you won't want. I'll make you lie down in green pastures. I'll lead you beside still waters. I'll restore your soul. I'll lead you in paths of righteousness for my name's sake. Even when you walk through the valley of the shadow of death, you don't have to fear anything because it's me that's with you. I prepare a table before you in the presence of your enemies. I anoint your head with oil. Your cup runs over because I feel it. Surely my goodness and my mercy will follow you all the days of your life and you will dwell in my house with me in my presence forever from the womb through the tomb into eternity God is completely caring for you and he gives us what we need 
I, I think today God's saying, I want to give you the restoration that you need. This is this is verse three in the psalm we just read. David says he restores my soul. Uh, Derek Kidner, he says that that word restore is used two ways in the Old Testament to communicate two different things. The first way he says it's used, it's used to communicate the concept of retrieval. Restoration looks like retrieval. Uh, so one of Jesus's most famous parables is of the lost sheep, where he says there's this little sheep that got separated from its shepherd and got stuck in some bushes. And when the shepherd notices that the sheep is gone, the shepherd leaves the 99 found sheep to go find the, the one lost sheep. He finds it. He pulls that sheep out of the bushes. He puts that sheep on his back, then walks that sheep back home with me. God brings us back when we're lost. I think over the past few months or year. We and a lot of people we know have gotten stuck in some bushes that have separated us from God and have tangled us up intentionally or unintentionally. Uh, for, for instance, some of us might have gotten stuck in a bush called politics where we've, we're completely consumed what's going on politically and we've invested more in the, in the Republic of America way more than we've invested in the kingdom of God. Or, or we're consumed by bad habits. And I'm not talking about not being comfortable with being around large gatherings. I'm talking about those of us who've gotten comfortable with not being with God's people at all. We, we've gotten, we've gotten stuck in a bush of, of bad thinking where we, we find the bad in everything and we miss God's goodness and we think, you're not here! Uh, uh, lies and half-truths where we've let bad ideas pull us out of the church and pull us away from God. Uh, bushes of sin, bushes of despair, bushes of hopelessness, bushes of faithlessness. There's a whole bunch of bushes that we get stuck in. And God says, whether you know you're in one or whether you don't know you're in one, I'm out to get you. I'm coming for you. And just like I came for my people and pulled them out of Egypt, I'm coming for you to pull you out of that bush so I can bring you back into relationship and intimacy and worship of me. He says, I'm coming for you. And the second way Derek Kidner says that restoration is used is to communicate the idea of revival. Restoration looks like revival. Which made me think uh, or and conclude that uh, God is the originator of mouth-to-mouth CPR. I, I, I had to take a, a first aid class when I first got to Ozark, and they taught us mouth-to-mouth with this dummy. And they told us when, when people are lifeless, you get close to them and position their head and open up their mouth and you breathe your own breath into them so they start breathing off of your breath and that reminded me of Genesis 2 where God took Adam's lifeless body and got real close to him and it said he, he breathed into his nostrils and that's when Adam became a living being it reminded me of, of Job when Job said I'm alive because your breath is in me when Job said your breath is my spirit in John 20 when Jesus and to his disciples, and they became alive. God gives us life by breathing the spirit into us. And again and again, when we're lifeless and when we're in despair and when we're hopeless, he breathes into us again and revives us. So, so, so all my friends who are tired, God wants to breathe his spirit into you again. To all my friends who've been trying to find rest, the pursuit of rest apart from God is absolutely pointless. A nap's not going to do it. 
A vacation's not going to do it. And going to a new job isn't going to do it. More mindless TV won't do it. Uh, alcohol, bad habits won't do it. The only way and the only place we'll find rest is when God, whew, his spirit into us again. And he says, I will make my spirit come on you and you will live again. So he, he gives us restoration. So I, the, the, the call for today, the thing I think God's directing us to do today is collectively as a community, let's call on him. Let's call on the shepherd. Some of us call on the shepherd to be our shepherd if he's never been our shepherd for the rest of us to call on him for restoration. You stuck in something? Repentance isn't you deciding to turn around. Repentance is God getting you first. Call on the shepherd. You, you lifeless? You, you drain, call on the shepherd and he'll restore you. That's just what Jesus does. And it's what he does that makes all the difference. Um, pray for me because I've been looking for hobbies for two years, um, new hobbies for two years. Um, and last year, 2020, my pursuit of a new hobby failed. So I, I resorted back to my old hobby of watching other people preach. And um, recently I, I heard a preacher, H.B. Charles, tell a story. He was preaching on this passage and he said that, he heard this story of, of two flocks of sheep. There was a, a, a healthy flock and there was a sick flock and they were both in the same pasture. And the, the healthy flock had a good shepherd. The, the sick flock had a bad shepherd. And so there was a fence that separated the two. And one day one of the, the sick sheep walked over towards that fence that separated them and, and fell over, couldn't get up. And, and the healthy flock walked on over to see what had happened. And, and one of the healthiest sheep got to that fence and, and looked down at that weak sheep. And the weak sheep looked up and said, go ahead, make fun of me. I know you want to. And that healthy sheep looked down and said, I can't make fun of you because I'm not different than you. The, the only difference between me and you is that I've got a good shepherd. I'm not all right right now because I'm better. I'm all right right now because my shepherd's good. And I think that's our posture, church, in the world. We're not all right right now because we're better. We're all right because our Jesus is good to us. Well, we go through what everyone else goes through. We went through a virus like everyone else. We lose jobs like everyone else. We, we go through death and sickness and fatigue and family drama like everyone else. But you're standing here right now all right, not because you're better, but because Jesus is good. In fact, if it wasn't for my shepherd, I would have been hellbound. I would have been lost in my sins. I would have been dominated by my sins. I would have been hopeless. I would have given up. I wouldn't have seen any reason for, for a good today or a better tomorrow. But because of my Jesus, I'm redeemed. I'm saved. I'm a child of the Father. I've got hope. I've got a future. I'm being transformed into his image daily. I have comfort in the trials. I'm constantly provided for. I'm good because my Jesus is good. And he cares for me. And so he says, I want to care for you today. I want to give you the restoration that you need.